edition number two. Wise guy round table to my left. The COVID scare is over. Matty Holt. Steve Fezzik is here looking beleaguered. I'm RJ Bow. Six and one, though, last week. Wow. He's storming back. How does it look now? 16 and 18. Great job, Fez. Good job. <sighs> we'll see. I'm hoping he loses by one game. So I collect, <laughs> but we don't hurt his brand. Yeah. Too much. That's, actually... That's the goal. Yeah. Now, the worst would be if he only wins by one. Yeah. Then his brand is. If he's going to win, you want him to steamroll it. I just want him to win so I, so I don't have to pay. Exactly. <laughs> I want to collect. <laughs> All right. We have a, a simple goal on this show. We're going to go over Maddie's five picks only. And Fez, any picks of yours that he doesn't have, which will be most of them, I want just a quick thought or two from him. And then at the very end, Matt's probably deepest knowledge, would you say, Matt, agree, is UFC. Oh, yeah, for sure. As yeah. a as an individual, like you deal with NFL, you have good knowledge, but you love the UFC. Love it, yeah. So we'll go over. It's a big card this weekend. All right, let's get to it. So do you know your best bet yet? Or do you want to think about it as you go through them? Uh, oh, man. What's your choices? Uh, the Panthers, the Jets, or the Steelers. All right. So, Fez, you got the Panthers, right? I do. Jets, I like in a way. Steelers, let's hear. I want to hear your. Let's start there. What's your handicap on that? Well, I I think we have to start with um, unsustainable winning percentages by teams that are one a little bit one dimensional in terms of Tennessee has no defense this year, and I I don't. We saw it last week where yes, they got the win in the cover. But again, they shouldn't have. If Houston just kicks the extra point in that game, then it's extremely unlikely that Tennessee can even get the cover. That was his one loss. Oh, really? Did you see him bouncing up and down? He It, it, it would have been two more seconds before he said it. Oh. It was like going. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, that. So, I, and they and look, we're talking about a team now that's only covered twice against the spread, but really should only have one against the spread cover. I mean, rarely do we see straight up records and against the spread records deviate like we're seeing with the Tennessee Titans. Okay, but, a, but what does that tell us, right? Because the first they were the first team in history, as we've talked about, three straight to start the season straight up wins, but 0-3 against the spread. So it's very unusual. But really, they were within what? In most of those games, a half a point, a point of covering, right? Sure. Yes. Well, they also didn't blow out the spread in the wins. I mean, they barely yeah. covered the spread against Houston by half a point or a couple, point and a half. They did get a really solid win against Buffalo, but, RJ, you pointed out that that was a really hidden kind of horrible spot maybe, yeah. for Buffalo. No, I think that's generally true. So my question is this. Do we maybe overreact? Like the Bears are an example of this. Everybody thinks the Bears are worse than their record. Are we maybe saying they're worse than if the Bears had lost two more games? Right, so the Bears are what five and one. Yeah, they are. Yes. If they were three and three, would we maybe have them rated higher because we wouldn't be so obsessed with downgrading them because we know they've gotten lucky? Do you feel like, like, let's say you're right and Tennessee is, would you? Let me ask you this: How much have you upgraded or downgraded Tennessee since the start of the year? I haven't moved them at all. Okay. What did even you, though they're five and zero? Oh. Understood. Now, how what have you done with Tennessee? Downgraded them a point. Now. That that is how is that possible? Yeah, that's, Since how before is that the year, your best bet was under, and I I liked him over. We best bet it, and now you, you downgraded a team or again that you liked under. That's five and up. No, I like Tennessee over. I don't remember on that, but yeah. let's say you maybe I mistake a it. slight maybe it's opinion the on the over. Mm -hmm. But how can you go five and zero and you downgrade them? Because I look at each and every game. No, I understand. No, no, I don't need you to explain the mechanics of how you do your power ratings, I'm asking you to defend an irrational response. Well, I downgraded them significantly from the Jacksonville game because, you know, they were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. And, and and they only won by six. They won by three. They won Closing by three. So seven-and-a-half opened like 11 that So that's, that, was a yeah. huge, that was a monster downgrade, right? I mean, because that was, I mean, they that just was won the point. The, they just won the game. Yeah, that was the point. Down and and a no, so no upgrade in the Buffalo game. I mean, you, you know, you. Beat I did under. give them an upgrade in the Buffalo game. So one of the other games, I gave them a downgrade along the way. Yeah. So do you see how stupid this is? I mean, just stupid that you can't get a team just wins and wins and wins, and you act like it means nothing. It's the same thing you did with Dallas last year when they lost and lost and lost. 
and it meant nothing. Like, at what point are you going to realize that teams winning actually means something? If anything, just for their own team morale, the excitement. How much excitement do you think there is in Chicago this week compared to if they were two and four? Or... Huge amounts. So where's that accounted for at? Right? Psycho- That's a good point. Psycho- good I mean, point. Uh, wh- at some point, you believe you, you believe you are what your record is. I mean, that's a great point. And we went through yesterday, Matt, every team that had a, a that we believe is much different than their record. Right. So everyone thinks Houston's better than one and five. Right. And we went through. I think there were six of them or so that were either too good or too bad. Right. Or yes. not good. And Fez versus football outsiders always went the more extreme like Houston we think is better and thus he has Houston even better right and the teams that we think is worse he's got them even worse so in, it was six out of six that you holding on to like you got this feeling about what they are they like got the Bears 20th and football outsiders has them 14th so and that and, was and, yeah what was and I think you're extreme? right that I that I look at and I say you know what this team is overrated they got lucky again I'm not upgrading them. And if they would only have lost a couple of those games, they'd yeah. be rated high. I, and we, yeah, I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna sharpen the pencil on that. And that's a great point, also. That could the, the site, a, a happy team is a motivated team. It, it, it play it's more a, than likely they play better. Prophecy. Yes. And same thing with a losing team. No a team, doubt. At one point, a one and five team. I think we saw with Dallas, they did not fight in the second we half. We got to get some coaches in here that know what they're doing, you know, and they start back, the, 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 you know. Fighting, you know, the different units, yeah. So do you feel like you're over, maybe with Tennessee, you're saying, hey, I'm, do you think you're giving them enough credit upon reflection? Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm giving them enough credit, but this isn't a big downgrade spot for me as necessarily as I like this spot for Pittsburgh. They already prepared for Tennessee once this season. This game is rescheduled. It was supposed to be played three weeks ago. But wasn't Tennessee preparing at the same time, or they weren't practicing? They weren't practicing okay. at all that week. Oh. So they didn't do any practice for Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh practiced an entire week for Tennessee, so they've already done this game prep. It's a good point. Not much different there. And on the other side... Um, John U. Smith, who I think is really one of the most important key factors, A.J. Brown, you know, obviously Derrick Henry, um, and, and then Tannehill. But John U. Smith is kind of that, you know, underneath guy because really that Tennessee offense is hand the ball to, to Derrick Henry or play action off the Derrick Henry and then throw the ball down the field. But when those aren't open, they go to John U. Smith. He has a high ankle sprain. I don't I'd say it's it's 40-60 in terms of him playing this week. That's a big negative for me in this game. I like the fact that Pittsburgh re- is relatively healthy, has been. Looks like DeCastro's coming back this week on that offensive line. Deontay, jo- uh, Deontay Johnson's supposed to be back. I just think this actually sets up well for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's mad. I mean, they, wa- they were mad that they got their bye taken away because of the Tennessee game earlier in the year, and they've already prepped for this team. They just have extra prep for them now. I like Pittsburgh. It's a good handicap. Now, what about Devin Bush, uh, you know, middle linebacker, key, you know, recent? Yeah, he's out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does that concern you? No. I mean, everyone's missing people. You look at the litany of Tennessee people uh, that they've lost, you know, Andre Jackson, one of their better defensive backs. And, uh, you know, they're missing guys. Is that a bottle of Jack Daniels? No, it's iced tea. Oh, <laughs> Pure like, leaf. Look at the, look at the, the liquid in there. Does that look uh, a little, like a little bit? Yeah. And if you look from behind and don't see it, did you yeah. see Fez's abacus? I do see his abacus. Whenever he's got math to figure out, he's got it right there. Nice. <laughs> All right. This market currently Fez is. We've got Tennessee, the favorite, from minus one to minus one and a half. Okay, in that range. So, really, what this market is saying, these are even teams. Yeah. And you think Pittsburgh's better? A little bit, yes. Guys, what do you think of this? I like the handicap. I think that's really strong about the double week of prep. You know, the only concern I had is, like, think about Pittsburgh. And I, whenever I bet Pittsburgh, I want to bet Pittsburgh when they're home because they, they have some stinkers on the road. But I think the stinkers are more when they look past a team. And the fact that they're, that. they're a dog now – is good because, you know, Pittsburgh's going to look at that point spread and say, you know, we're getting no respect here. I think that's a positive. All right, possible best bet pick number one, Steelers. Number two. Uh, The New York Jets, plus 13. And I just think, and look, no one's higher on the Bills than me, but what's interesting is despite the fact that the Bills dominated the stats 
Um, you know, they've had some rough second halves in terms of allowing people back into games because their defense is so decimated and thin that it seems like they're fatiguing. And if we go back and look at Buffalo uh, in that first game, Again, it was the Jets coming on late, and it makes me a little nervous here that it could be the Jets again uh, this week coming on. And the Jets have hit rock bottom. And if we look at the first game was minus six. You know, Pittsburgh, Buffalo at home against the Jets minus six. Now we're saying that, uh, and, and if you flip that, it should probably be 10. So now we're saying, hey, you know, and didn't we know the Jets stunk before the season that the combination of the Bills being better than we thought they were uh, at four and two and the Jets being worse than we thought they were is about three and a half, four points. And at some point, these numbers have to bottom out on the Jets here. And if you're Buffalo, I don't know how you take this game serious. It's the obvious look ahead spot for the Bills with the Patriots on deck and essentially the AFC East on the line. Now, let's balance the motivational. On one hand, you're right. It's a game that, in theory, is an easy win. And there's an important game coming up. You're off a loss off a big game against Kansas City. But the other side is you're off of two straight losses. So, typically, teams get more motivated when they're off losses. You think the bigger deal here is a sandwich spot? I think it's a tough sandwich spot. And, and I think Buffalo's injuries, especially on the defensive side, are starting to catch up with them a bit. I mean, they've had a lot of guys, including Tredavious White, you know, probably their best defensive player, missed multiple games. And this is just a banged-up Buffalo defense, unfortunately, lately. Josh Norman's out. Uh, you know, you, Levi Wallace, the other corner out. You should have heard yesterday. So, Fez hasn't mentioned you guys have a bet on Buffalo in the world or the Super Bowl. Yep. Hadn't mentioned it one time, right? He hadn't. Somehow it came up yesterday. After two losses? Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, like, do you think you're fooling people with that? Or, like, how do you think about it? Like, it's like, I know I haven't said a mum's the word. Through four straight wins. But, but finally they lose a game or two, and I'm going to say, yep, Maddie thought he had me there at 30-1. <laughs> like, it reminds me when, when Co I, I, I gave Cofield 50-1 to one on Tiger to win some major, and it was like right after he double bogeyed, I think I tweeted out, oh. That's a shame. So, so you, you, you're purposely like an asshole. Yes. And now, is that because you know deep down you're an asshole and you figure if you act like you're playing, people will think it's not true? Oh, I like that angle. It's Bush League psycho stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> so what's the market right now on Buffalo to win the Super Bowl? Uh, it's still, it's not bad. I don't think it's better than 30. I think it's 25-ish. Now, are you, as you look towards the season, what is it, 22? 22, yeah. As you look, so you're bragging about laying 30 to 1 <laughs> on Sunday, 22 to 1. Yeah. Boy, that's sad. That is sad. <laughs> I'm back, baby! <laughs> he wasn't happy when it was down to 12 the week before. I can tell by the way you're saying it, though. You're saying, oh, there's some injuries. They're finally catching up. Are these injuries that are going to get better, or do you? You know, the good news is they are. In fact, I think Tre'Davious White's back this week, so that's good. You know, the secondary is banged up, but neither of them, uh, I don't think, are out very long term. In fact, I think they get one cornerback, Cam Lewis, back this week. Uh, the problem is Josh Norman and Levi Wallace are both on the IR, so well, that, this could Josh be a second. Norman, Josh Norman might be a good thing. Could, yeah, maybe, but yeah. but Levi Wallace, again, you can only lose so many. They already lost uh, EGA gains for the season because he wasn't even going to play before the year started. He was penciled in as a starting defensive back. So they are starting to get a little thin in the secondary. The good news is Buffalo gets pressure, which always helps kind of shield the secondary a little bit. The bad news is their secondary is getting thin. Yeah, I think Odori Jackson was their best cornerback, and he's on, been on IR yeah. the whole and year. The so. problem is, even if you get big leads, when your secondary is banged up and every team knows you're is just going to be passing, that's when you get those back doors. The Rams. So McKenzie puts up, teams favored by more than 10, coming off back-to-back -back losses, 30 and 37 against the spread, 45%. That's a good instinct there. You know, Add me something. Make it more than seven so it's not as big of a deal. But then have that next week's line is – so next week, uh, what, the game's in Buffalo or New England? Buffalo. So that means, let's say uh, – I think it was Buffalo two and a half or three. 
Yeah, say next week's line is less than or equal to minus three. Or, or greater than or equal to minus three, which means it's a competitive game. Um, I'm just saying, because to me, that's the, it's one thing to be surprised because you would think back-to-back losses, you're good, and now that you're favored by this much means you're a good team, which means it was surprising to lose those two. I would have thought they'd roll there without the look ahead. You had the look ahead. Let me ask you this, last thing on this game. Every time a bubble happens, I always say, they always say this year or this is different, right? Real estate has never gone up this much, but this time it's different. The fundamentals are different. In truth, it hardly ever is different, right? Correct. The Jets are a team that meet almost every criteria to bet if you're smart, which is winless teams typically. In fact, just right off the go, you can say if you're 0-6 against the spread, 0-6 or worse, ATS and straight up, you're like uh, 66% against the spread. I can uh, pull the exact numbers up. If you're off a shutout, you're like 55% against the spread. If you're off like a horrible beat, everything in the database says if you do horribly, people overreact to it, and it's not as bad as it seems. Jets this time, I've heard even super sharp people say, I can't, I can't bet the Jets. What is it that's different about this Jets team I get squares don't bet these type of teams, but even the Sharps seem to be running away from the Jets. Well, I, I think In it's, fact, when I bet the Jets two weeks ago, you were mad, like, can't believe you bet the Jets. <laughs> well, just like with the totals that we bet that week ended up tying. Um, How do you say tying with that tone of voice? They tied. You were lucky yeah, they tied. Uh, you were lucky they tied. <laughs> you won three in a row the last three games that week. The truth started to exert itself. Uh, so I wait, ju- wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, it's like playing a tennis match. It's six six, but hey, I was up five two. You yeah, know, I mean, that's what you say when the game goes away. <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. like. So, so what do you think's going on with the Jets? Look, I think they're bad, but I think teams go through bad. Teams go through big runs. That's why they're bad. It just so happens I think that the Jets are going through their really ugly run, including injuries. Jamison Crowder, their number one receiver, they're going through it at the beginning of the year. And what we're not used to seeing is normally like Miami last year, what we're used to seeing is a team that you could tell is kind of tanking. They're putting pieces together for the next year. They're trading picks. And the Jets, they tried to do that early in the year. Remember, they trade Jamal Adams um, to get some pieces back. But the difference was Miami seemed to come with big efforts and the Jets haven't yet. These guys are all playing for contracts at some point. The effort's got to kick in. The injuries have to balance out. Um, you know, look, I thought they came with a lot of effort in the Denver game. They just kept turning, the, you know, they just got unlucky and played terribly in a game where they were actually getting some breaks turnover-wise. You know, they, they showed some heart in the Buffalo game. They were the team in the in that original Buffalo game that was coming back late. They were scoring. They were uh, throwing the ball down the field late. I think one of it was the quarterback change. I think Joe Flacco's done. A lot of people overestimated. So, so what's the status right now? Darnold practiced, so it's looking like Darnold's going to be the starter. How much of an upgrade is Darnold? Point and a half. Yeah, I, I think he is an upgrade. It's got to be more than that. I think that Flacco, people that were saying that Flacco was better, that was a, I hope that that nonsense has stopped because that was a complete aberration and. I think it's fair to say that entering Flacco's games, it'd be reasonable to think maybe he could be better. But I think as soon as you saw, I mean, here's what we know. My name is Casper. Is better than Flacco. Yes. All right. Last thing I'll say is this. This might pull you off the Jets. If you go back 11 years... There's been 451 teams that have had a three-game losing streak. So let's say you have a four-game losing streak. That's going to be two separate three-game losing streaks. One, two, and three. Two, three, and four, right? Mm -hmm. The Jets are the first one of 451 instances that in those three games, they won the turnover battle all three. So to win the turnover battle, lose the game, win it, lose the game, win it, lose the game has never happened in 11 years. That scares me. It's no, they're just not losing. They're losing in a way that history says you should win because you're getting so many breaks, turnovers being so big, and still they lose. What happens if they're minus two in a game? Yes. What's going to happen then? So that worries me. 
Doesn't worry you at all? No, it does. But look, some of the the some of the picks that separate winning from losing in sports betting are difficult to make. Oh, I agree with that. I agree. That's why I made the Jets. I thought it was interesting when you ridiculed me for it. I don't think it was me. It must have been Fez. No. You sent me one email. What did you think of the picks? I said, seem fine. No, no, no. I'm saying here on the show when you were oh. talking about your winners that didn't get put in there, you're like, I don't know. Someone had the Jets. Like that. I might have been peacocking a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pick number three, and this will be the last of the best bet possibilities, it sounds like. Uh, Carolina Panthers plus seven and a half against the New Orleans Saints. All right. So is this more anti-Drew Brees? No. I just think at this point, in my mind, and, and look, I'm I'm sure we could all argue where the Saints are in terms of the entire pecking order of everything. I think the Saints are probably like the seventh best team in football. Okay. Okay. That seems fair. Okay. And I think at this point that Carolina is trending up and is probably like the 14th best team in football or 13th best team in football. So you right now have Carolina as an above average team. Yeah. Slightly above average. And I think division opponents more than seven when both teams are at least above average seems like an awful high number to me. Mm. And I thought that Carolina underachieved a bit last week. Um, and I think that I think that they're gonna bounce back because overall I really like what what Matt Rule and oh, the, the offensive that. coordinator that came over from LSU have done together. This is a team that I think's on the rise. For great sure. young energy, great young coaching staff. A quarterback that doesn't throw a lot of interceptions or turn the football over. A defense that we all, I mean, everyone massively underestimated how fast this defense would come together, rally, get a little continuity after starting so ugly against the Raiders. I think they're really performing well. I think both of these teams actually have pretty good defenses. I don't think this is going to be a shootout, and I think the 7.5 has value because I also like the under in this football game. So, Fez, you like the same game augmented yeah so mike good news michael thomas tweaked his hamstring in practice today and i'm sorry what it's good news michael thomas the new orleans wide <laughs> good receiver news. someone's hurt who's been a wall <laughs> the entire year finally has his ankle healed and he's back after punching a teammate and he tweaked his hammy in practice and he had to skip the media portion of the practice afterwards roto world says so, they'll have to evaluate his hamstring injury what would be great news if that's good news oh went ahead and re-injured his ankle and he was out for sure <laughs> i thought he was gonna say and he died <laughs> what's wrong with you how much do you have bad on i mean do you have that you're bad in already i haven't even <laughs> bad <yet. laughs> not a dollar just rooting for pain <laughs> I, if i gotta hurt they gotta hurt <laughs> yeah now explain this to me how did the market move on this? It's at 7.3. It's barely budged. Yeah. So what does that tell us? That the, the market now thinks Drew Brees doesn't even need his best receiver? Yeah, it's, I think the market's telling us that Michael Thomas has done nothing all year long and he might be rusty, well, and but he should be 100. His ankle's healed now. It's well, so strange, yeah. Do you uh, practice voodoo? Not yet. <laughs> is that is that like on the agenda? Well, after watching Child's Play, you know, that I don't even know if you remember that movie with the voodoo doll that – Chucky. Chucky, dude, Chucky used a voodoo doll on a guy. He's like, you shouldn't just have your personal voodoo doll like lying around, <laughs> getting trouble doing that. Your personal voodoo doll. <laughs> I is... Yeah, I mean, it's like I don't even know what he, to like, say. He like snaps the guy's legs off when for the doll. So, and you enjoyed that? Oh, it was great. DVOA Carolina sixteenth, not that far off from what you're saying, and. That doesn't really take into account the trend line, meaning they do weight it DVOA for the more recent games. But here's something. I think we should do two things in a future week, maybe at the halfway mark. One is do a draft in which we go one, two, three, and then whoever got third gets four yep. and just pick teams, right? For future wins? No, I'm talking about Super Bowl. Oh, Super Bowl, yeah. They, Super Bowl, and so at the end, we pick 30 teams mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. 30's and, enough. We and don't the, get yeah, and the winner ends up getting 1,000 from each person, you yeah. know, kind of something like that. And then what I want to do in the offseason is do like a five-year draft like that uh -huh. where you're trying to account for, okay, Tampa Bay, maybe they did really well, but now Brady's older. Yeah. 
And if we did that, Carolina would probably be my fifth or sixth pick. They would go second round, I think. You, you think? Yeah, you know, we'd go one, oh, two, okay. three. Yeah, They'd so be like fourth, between, fifth, or sixth. And I mean, that's something for a five year. I agree. I, I think that uh, Temper is the owner's name. I think hedge fund guy that was really at the top of the hedge fund industry, and you can tell he's got a plan. Yeah. So. I like Matt Rule and what they're doing. Oh, you look at what he did. What was it? Temple, then Baylor. Baylor, yeah. I know it's college. He just wins everywhere. Yeah. All right. So you two have a disagreement on one game, but you've got one more first, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't take enough of a beating Monday. So just like I do with the Detroit Lions week after week, I'm going to jump on the Dallas Cowboys again because Monday night wasn't bad enough. And while I agree that that defense is terrible, um, <sighs> I don't know that it's as bad as people are saying as as much as some of it's the turnovers that they're doing. So when we look at opponents yard per play, yes, they're bad. I think Dallas right now is like 24th in the national football league in opponents yards per play, but they're nowhere near the bottom teams like Atlanta and Jacksonville that are both giving up well over six and a half yards per play this season. So I think some of it's been, They've turned, look, Ezekiel Elliott, how many times has he fumbled already this year? That's probably not likely to continue. When you're heavy set, it's hard to keep oh. over the ball. At some point, some of the, we know the turnovers tend to straighten out. And I'm with you. I actually love the tweet you sent out. Five straight drives over 30, 30 yards. Andy Dalton wasn't completely inept in that situation like people thought. And if we're going to talk about inept offenses, how about the Washington Redskins dead last in YPP something I don't ever do is bet a team favored who's dead last in YPP that's the case here with the Washington Redskins I'm going to go ahead and take Dallas YPP offense yes offensive YPP 4.3 yards per play that's pathetic that's worse than the New York Jets so Fez keeps looking at me because yesterday I said we're going to put a ban on YPP and but here's my question, because you love YP. You're down, effectively, with YP. It tends YP. to be a, a fairly good measurement overall. Here's my thought. I think in a game, if you compare one team to the other, it makes a ton of sense because everything's equal. It's how they do against the other. But wouldn't you say the strength of schedule is such a big part of it that over even beginning of the year, especially three, four games And in, there's not enough sample always to make it appropriate. Or yeah, I think we should – listen, YPP says something important. We should say it. But I think – like, is there a reason? But if you're dead last, it's not yeah, like, hey, you're not point. good. You're yeah. last. It's a good broad stroke. Yeah. Now, it's not like their other stats are going to be good on offense. Yeah, so, I agree. So but, I mean, is, let me ask you, is just, and not that you or I even have, and when I say I even, as in I spend a lot of time on this stuff, is DVOA is a stat that seems to account for things like success rate, uh, strength of schedule. Is there a reason we don't use that, you know, you know, as much or more. And, Cause I'm just saying, I just want, cause I'm sensitive in a way toward with the, I'm nervous about stats that the people use on like the ESPN pregame broadcast. They use DVOA. You hear it all the time now, Yeah, but because I think in a way it's, and so then, so you have to assume if it's on the ESPN broadcast and it's on the Fox broadcast that every single odds maker and operator are factoring it in. And how do you get an edge? You have to use different factors. No, I so if we all copy the same stuff. No, it's an interesting point. And I would like something. The only thing that here's the thing I would say about myself is when I hear guys that are doing things I'm not doing. So I listen to other shows that, you know, they're, very oftentimes tedious, but there's good content in there. There's this kind of a scoffing at YPP at this point. And I get it. Anyone, a lot of these guys, the basement dwellers, as they say, are always looking to somehow demean other people. They want to feel good about themselves. But in general, unless I am willing to bet that I'm right about something, if people that are expert are saying, ah, it causes me an ah. Uh. So you talked a lot, I mean, you know, with U.S. Integrity, I mean, as a former bookmaker, you booked billions of dollars and obviously we're interacting with the Sharps in that way. Now for multiple years, your integrity company, usintegrity.com, you are interacting in a different way with batters and bookmakers. Do you get a feel of with the handicappers that YPP 
is held in the same regard that it was? No, I don't think so. You think it's trending down? Yeah, and mostly it has to do with the sample size. You're right. People say that the sample size and that it doesn't take into account strength of schedule as much. But I will say this, DVOA is on everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If anybody thinks that they're being clever or that they're you know, going to beat the books just using DVOA. Well, what do you think they use? It's so easy to get. It's available everywhere. Yeah, it's right. on the general broadcast. And I love the point you made, RJ, where you talked about, well, DVOA is just going ahead, and I know they have a weighted DVOA, but everything gets weighted alike. So if you've got a fundamental oh. change in a team, oh. right? When you say there's a weighted, then you say everything gets weighted alike. Now, I mean, the, the thing that DVOA does that there's two different numbers is and it's called Dave or something. One of it is it accounts for last year's or the assumptions entering the year. So let's say they thought wow. this team was going to be 20th in offense and now they're 27th. After two games, the 20th is still a big part of it, right? After five games, and I think they're actually converting it quicker this year. I think mm. it's six or seven games that go to this year matters fully, but it's like power ratings, right? If a, sure. If you got a team ranked third, and they lose some games, you're still thinking, I had them third for a reason. Yeah, right? ab absolutely. So uh, New Orleans is an example, you know, that we did, we, we, we geez, correctly. New Orleans, New Orleans, first of all, was never that bad. When was the time they needed all that correct? I, that's what I'm still confused about. Where, where was the low point for them? When they lost a game yeah. on to the rant or to the Raiders? Yeah. Th th that was the low point? I, I mean. I think so. So let's let's stop with the old how bad the Saints are. It's just insane. <laughs> Did they even lose another game? Are they are they get one loss team? Who who's the second loss? Green Bay. All right. Oh, yeah. remember we were getting down on Green Bay because they only won by eight. <laughs> hey, by the way, Matt, are you going to apologize to Fez that you were wrong about Green Bay Tampa? <laughs> Sorry, Fez. <laughs> you got the line move right. I did, yes. But that didn't seem to matter you, in the court of public opinion. You, you, Just that you picked the game right. The fact that I had the line move right was irrelevant. The fact that you had the team right and How were you so wrong I bullied about that? you. You closed at three at Bookmaker. You know, for years I prided myself on being the best in the game at forecasting line moves and – Wowza, there's been some games I just have gotten completely wrong in the last few years. I think it's interesting because on some, sometimes the public has more to say on lines than we think, and other times they don't. I, I think the books are looking, I think the books, and, and Matt, you can tell me what you think on this. If it's crazy sharp, crazy intense, the books take it crazy serious. If it's generally public versus general sharp action. I think the public betting is getting so big now. The public has more of a say. It's just when it's like no limit, bet whatever you can type open orders as they used to call them. The books are taking those super seriously. Yeah. Does that feel right? Yeah. And, and that's hard to gauge, right? Because you could sure. say there's sharp action on Tampa, which there was, but it wasn't enough or sharp, sharp, sharp enough to overcome all that, that, public money no doubt the matt and i were on the public side all right now one game left we got music mm -hmm. here we go this is crossfire an auto 300 dollar bet maddie hold in one corner steve fezzik in the other maddie hold and of course it came on pick number five for me. And really this pick only ended up on my list this morning after the NFL did the schedule change this week where Seattle got moved to Sunday night football and uh, the Tampa Bay Las Vegas Raiders game got moved to the afternoon Sunday. And my thought process is again, you put an undefeated Seattle team with a quarterback as popular as Russell Wilson into the Sunday night national TV football slot and there's just going to be so much uh, accrued parlay and teaser action attached to that game that I thought this line was going to move and for contest purposes that we would get the value on the line. I also think that we're overvaluing Arizona a little bit. And the fact that Arizona has, I mean, that Seattle has seen Arizona as, as often as anybody has playing them twice a year and that they get an extra week to prepare for Arizona 
in the riddle that is Kyler Murray sometimes. While Arizona just played on Monday night and is coming off the short week of rest, we're all advantageous. So I laid it with the Arizona, with Seattle Seahawks. What's interesting is that you led your handicap based upon forecasting a square line move. That you're saying it's a Sunday night game, so, people, so the public's going to bet on Seattle. So you're trying to beat the closing number on a game that I would argue it's going to might close higher because of square money on Seattle. So I don't think that's going to help us pick a winner. Uh, I think you bring up a great point. Well, it would help us time the bet. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think you bring up a great point about the Arizona, the three road games. I actually like the fact that this game Sunday night. I know it's only a four hour difference, but it gives Arizona four more hours to prep for a game. And let's face it. Now they get to play a game. Uh, they just played a Monday night game. Now they get to play a game that at the same time on Sunday night. So I think that that's continuity wise, that that does actually help Arizona a little bit. This time change. I don't think anyone really does game prep game planning on game day. So I, I think it's more of days and not hours. Yeah, but, but it's yeah, true, but it's still the rest factor, right? I mean, especially if it was a one o'clock game. Sure. So right? they, yeah. So today the players found out they're going to get three hours extra rest on well, Sunday. Yeah, no, I understand. And I, I'm I'm not saying that's a major factor, but in so the game was a four o'clock game anyway. Yeah. Well, I guess it's West. So, okay. Yeah. Well, but again, for it would have been one o'clock. Pacific. It would have been 125. Now it's 520 our yeah. time. I, I can speak for myself. I'm not a professional athlete, but having to get up and be somewhere, let's say at 830 versus get up and be somewhere at noon or whatever. I like the noon myself. That's just, you know. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's your handicap, Steve? No, they. <laughs> pow, my power ratings say huge value for Arizona. So I have Seattle, my number six team. I have Arizona, my number 11 team. So they're not that far apart. I only have them two points apart. Arizona, number 11. Yeah. You, you fell for what you watched Monday night, huh? What'd you upgrade him? Two points after beating Dallas? <laughs> one point. Oh. I downgraded oh, I Dallas two, but I only upgraded Arizona one. So these teams are not far apart at all. On a neutral, I make this game two, and I'm getting three and a half at home. Absolutely. And I might be down on Arizona here. For some reason, I just... You know, this is a team that has beat the 49ers at home when they were struggling with no D-line, you know, barely pulled away from Washington, beat the Jets and the Cowboys, and have lost to the Lions and the Panthers. Has anyone played a weaker schedule than Arizona? Are they the 32nd-ranked schedule right now? Where you guys do? Yeah, strength of schedule, you nailed it, Matty. 286 oh. for Arizona. That's the worst in the league. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they haven't beaten anybody. So let me ask you this. Up oh, correction. Second worst schedule. Guess oh. who has the worst? Seattle. Ooh. Really? I think strength of schedule is vital in this game. <laughs> now let me ask you. <laughs> let me ask you this. <laughs> is where do you have Seattle? Let's say, because to me, Russell Wilson and that love is obscuring the fact that this is one of the worst defenses in the NFL, number 26 by DVOA, public or not, and they have the best offense. Now, I'm just doing some math here. If you have the best offense and one of the worst defenses, even if you think defense is less important, which I think it is, it's just how much so, wouldn't you be around, I don't know, 12th, 11th, 10th? I don't understand how you can be 5th, or I'm sorry, 26th on defense and be a good team. Well, we just or talked really about Tennessee, the same and, and spot. I, and but you're saying, but you, I bet you got Seattle three points better than Tennessee, two points better probably at minimum, right? I think it's a point and a half too. You know, I like your comp on Tennessee versus Seattle because Seattle has tw the number twenty six defense and Tennessee number twenty two, so they're they're comparable. Mm -hmm. And then on offense, Tennessee's number three right now, Seattle's number one. So that sure looks like pretty equal teams, right? Here's, let's pull up this. Yeah, this will be the last thing we do before UFC. Let's look at Seattle's games because I'm going to make the following point. 23 out of 25 scores for Seattle have been touchdowns. So 23 touchdowns, two intercept or uh, field goals. Now, the average is about 62%, I think, this year. If you go through and just give a minus four 
on Seattle, just one score per game, a field goal instead of a touchdown. Let's look at the ATS results. All right, so week one, what was the line? Seattle was at Atlanta. Seattle they won that one nice and clean. And Let's they were give, minus one. Give them a win. Nice win there. Next game. Seattle at New England. Line was minus uh, four and a half. They so won the by game five. Was in Seattle. Seattle was at in Seattle. Seattle won by five, right? They were laying four and a half. Okay, so one flip there. They're one and one against the spread, right? If you get minus four right. points. Seattle, Dallas, five and a half. Okay, so you minus four points. They lose that one. Straight yes. against the spread. Yes. One and two. Seattle, Miami. Seattle won by eight. They're laying four and a half. All right, so that's another loser, all right? Yes. Okay. Seattle, Minnesota. Seattle was laying six and a half. Seattle won by one. So they lost that game, so one and four. Lost that game ATS anyway without Here, Yeah, they lost it regardless. And then a bye. All right. So literally we're saying if they would have had, uh, what, three additional field goals instead of touchdowns, and they still would be, let's think about it, they're 23 and two now, they'd be 20 and five. 20 touchdowns, five field goals. They'd be way ahead anyway, and they'd be one and four against the spread. Yes. All I'm saying is this, I, but how much have they been upgraded? What was the summer line in this game, Steve? Because if you look at this week's, you right. should have it. I got it. And with the summer line, now let's assume Arizona's been upgraded, I think, a little bit. So minus two and a half. Okay. So... Who's who's should be upgraded more, Seattle or Arizona, since the start of the season? What do you guys do? Let's take a look. Seattle, I've upgraded one point. Okay. Arizona, I've upgraded two and a half points. What do you think, Matt? It feels like that the public, yeah. you and the public. I don't even really like it anymore. <laughs> I just when I had to do my fifth pick, I wanted to. I thought that we were. That's gonna all get I the wanted to hear. I just I just bet him, baby. Now I'll let you buy out. You want to buy out? No. You you don't want this P. I'll let you buy out for ten dollars. Okay. You want to buy out? Yeah. <laughs> he looked, I made such a sweet offer to him, and he didn't want to take it. <laughs> you charged me twenty, I think. Well, you only pay me fourteen. No, no, I want out for ten. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey, last thing we we got a before the UFC we got a resolution on our bet last week on on the COVID. The oh, ten, yeah, the yeah. Ten day. Yeah, you won that bet. All right. I think this one we should have on air. Let's get this money out in the middle, baby. Steve, how are you feeling about that? It bet? makes stupid rule. It makes no sense. You yeah, win. the rule is stupid. <laughs> and I don't even think it would be enforced that way, Thank but God it definitely you, reads that way. As soon as RJ said, so you want to you go, uh, a th what do you, how do you say, like a fallow? Or, or like I, I was going to say, I, I mean, it's so funny, though. It was decided that day. You guys are like, no, I'm going to call my inside contact and figure this one out. RJ's got like, I got the final score here. I don't think I'm going to lose I this I actually one. think in terms of like people getting on the field, it it, it could be enforced differently. But I, I don't want to even talk about it on the air anymore. <laughs> you want to do a Ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. The stewards have posted the inquiry sign. But in inquiry comes in. All right, UFC. So, when did you become such a big fan of this? Um, I've always been a fan, but then what I realized about UFC when it really started growing big time around 2010 was that unlike boxing, A, every fight was televised, and B, every fight had betting lines. And it's sort of the equivalent of being able to bet like the Mac games 20 years ago when no one was paying attention to them in college football or, hey, they're on TV. You can watch them all and people are watching and betting them, but they're not researching these people ahead of time. So you think there's more square action in UFC than even UFC has been the fastest growing betting sport for like three years in a row. And it feels like you're getting a lot of bettors to, in UFC that don't bet other sports. Yeah, but you're getting a lot, lot of just general people that bet all sports uh, betting UFC now. It, hey, it's Saturday night. There's a car. It's on TV. Every fight's on TV. I could throw it on ESPN. And the time, that's a great point. UFC is the Hawaii bailout. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone yeah. like watches the free the free bouts are on ESPN. They get you get you juiced up. Then the pay per view is always really late on Saturday night. Now. Back even, I don't know, five, seven years ago wasn't the way to bet UFC. was. But this pay-per-view won't be late. It actually starts at like 12 p.m. Pacific. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, that's because it's such a big card. It's because it's in Abu Dhabi. 
And uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov is so popular uh, in Eastern Europe and, and, and in Abu Dhabi that they wanted to keep it Abu Dhabi time, real time. So we're actually going to watch it. You know, it's going to start like 12 p.m. Eastern. I mean, Pacific time. So when you say 12 p.m., is that noon or midnight? Noon our time, Pacific oh. time. So noon Vegas time, noon Pacific time, this thing starts Saturday. Yeah. Wow. So don't wait till Saturday night to bet. No, because it's live Abu Dhabi time because Nurmagomedov yeah. such an international star. I wonder if any of the uh, bookies who are still taking bets by hand might think the thing play goes at night. It wouldn't be the first time those guys made that mistake. All right. So you got something you like on the main event, but you also got a pick or two that you like a lot. D deep cuts, they call them. Yeah, I played two things I think are interesting about the main event, and this this fight will have more liquidity probably than any fight in 2020, is number one, Khabib Nurmagomedov, 28-0, the, probably the most dominating champion in UFC history. Um, you know, his, his father was his trainer, and they it wasn't just that his father was his trainer. They were immensely close. You know, he thinks that his father may have had as big of an impact on MMA as any person has and in the history of the sport. And his father recently passed. And if nothing else, that messes up your normalcy in your training camp. You have to mourn. You have to deal with the issues that come with a parental death and, and all the responsibilities that come with it. So if nothing else, a guy who is known for consistency, consistency, consistency in his training and his performances when, when, and in his when, style. When did his father pass? I think it was like six or seven weeks ago. So fairly recent. Um and on the other side, and so I like the under four and a half rounds here. So what I think is this guy is probably had is probably with a disrupted training camp, probably going to have to go to his strengths. His strengths are his wrestling base. And while people say, hey, Justin Gaethje has a wrestling background, he wrestled in college, I've never seen him do any wrestling in any of his MMA fights. In fact, his last nine wins come by knockout, and in his two losses, he was knocked out himself. And in none of those fights was he using any wrestling. So I think if Khabib gets him down like he's done to so many people, he's going to be a major problem for Justin Gaethje on the ground. Gaethje probably doesn't get back up and slowly but surely succumbs to a rear naked choke or some other some, uh, choke submission on the ground. That was kind of deep. Slowly but surely succumbs to a rear naked choke. <laughs> Where if, if he keeps this fight standing, a guy who has nine straight wins by knockout and already has substantial advantages on the feet against the guy who, again, without his father there in his normal training camp, is probably just going to have to go right after his strengths and his base. If he can't get those takedowns, which is his base, Justin Gaethje will probably knock him out standing up. And so I'm going under four and a half rounds in the main event. It's a, and it, the prices is climbing. So I think it's around 185 now. Okay. So how much of an effect, the father's death, do you feel like the absence of a trainer is any part of it? Or is it just the emotion around it? So I think it's the distraction during such an important fight. So Justin Gaethje's probably the most important challenger that Khabib Nurmagomedov has ever fought. But uh, on the other side, if you, if you had a normal camp, just whether it was his dad training him or somebody else, you would prepare for all the things that Gaethje does well, along with all of your strengths, to make sure that your strengths were totally primed and you were prepared for the strengths of your opponent. I feel like with all the disruptions in camp, with his father passing and everything he had to deal with, you probably didn't get to focus on every single subject as well. So what do you do when you don't get to focus on all facets because the camp was distracted and cut short? You go to your strengths, which, by the way, you're the best in the world at. Chain wrestling sambo, you're the very best in the world. But if that doesn't work, you're probably less prepared to deal with your opponent's strengths than if you would have had more time to prepare for it. Okay, so you like that one. But you don't love it. Thousand dollars is a cool G, as we call it back home. Are you at liberty to play for that, Stanley? Would you prefer to play for smiles? You're saying not smiles, maybe a thousand. But now, your very best bet. Come on, baby, eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> so I got to play on Tai Tuivasa. It's going to be the heavyweight opening of the main card. 
Ty Tuivasa and Stefan Struve under one and a half rounds plus 125. And the handicap here is like a lot of people. I like Tuivasa in this fight. And a lot of the sharps have been on him as well to the point where Struve opened around minus 120. And in the last 48 hours, Tuivasa has gone to minus 125. So a 45 cent shift in this line in the last 48 hours. Uh, Tai Tuivasa is, and both of these guys tend to win their fights in just one way. Stefan Struve, 18 of his 29 wins are by submission. Tai Tuivasa, who's 9 and 3, 9 wins, 8 of those wins by knockout. And in 8 of the 12 losses for Stefan Struve are by knockout. So his weakness, getting knocked out, is the strength of Tai Tuivasa. So what is really interesting to me in this fight is despite the fact that the side moved 45 cents, the total didn't move at all. But if a guy who has a 90% knockout rate against a guy who 75% of his losses are by knockout, if the Sharps like Tai Tuivasa, which I do as well, how is he going to win? It's by knockout. Mm. Yet they didn't adjust the total, and now we're getting plus money in a situation where we're saying the same thing. Hey, we agree that Tai Tuivasa is going to win too, but instead of laying the minus 125 because the line moved, we're going to take plus 125 on the under one and a half rounds. Can I parlay these? Some places. Why would you want to parlay? Because this whole handicap is that the the guy that oh, places. You, you're saying you can parlay. I thought you meant two, I want two Ivasi, the guy that knocks people out and the to under. the under, right? Sure. Some places will Seems let you strong, some because right? it's yeah, correlated. It All right. So really, what you're saying is this: if you actually think about, okay, what kind of what do we project the fight to go like? The act of or the betting move that went towards the knockout artist increases the chance there's going to be a knockout. Yes, but the odds haven't moved. On the total, they haven't yeah, moved. The yeah, the odds haven't moved in the way to bet if a knockout happens effectively. Correct. And right? that's what happens in UFC still is sometimes is these really sharp guys come in early in the week and bet these sides, but they ignore the total. And in this case, it's correlated. If you like Tai Tuivasa, you also have to like the under because he's more likely to knock him out early. Now, I don't know anything about Tuivasa. Is he a type that maybe knocks out late because... It's fatigue. I mean, knockouts generally have, they obviously always happen before the end of the fight, but some people will knock you out in later rounds, some earlier rounds. Is his history skewed one way or the other? Most knockouts in UFC come early. They do. Okay. So it's not like boxing where guys get worn down and knocked out. Usually in MMA, it's because you're fresh and you have all that power that you knock people out early. And on the other side of this, we get the added advantage because if we're wrong and Tai Tuivasa isn't the right side in this fight, we're going to know right away because if Stefan Struve takes him down, Tai Tuivasa has no ground game and he'll get submitted by a submission artist. So this is like, hey, we like Tai Tuivasa in this fight and the most likely scenario is he wins by early knockout if you like him. But even if you're on the wrong side, the most likely scenario for Stefan Struve to win is by getting that fight to the ground early and winning by submission. I think we cover both bases really well, and I think the plus money on that under is a bargain. Matty Holt, usintegrity.com, UFC expert. Anything to wrap, guys? All right, two-parter this week. Thank you, Matty. Thank you. And if you haven't listened to part one, it's up in the feed. This is why you should subscribe you should subscribe. Just search for RJ Bell or Dream Preview. You can get straight out of Vegas also. We'll be back normal time next week.